Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Wednesday, June 1st. And Brendan, I, I should say it's a CHGO Cubs podcast, but this is the Christopher Morell podcast. It is. We got a win. We finished off the four-game set on a positive note. Morell keeps getting on base like every other at-bat, it seems like, making stellar plays in center field. This is the Christopher Morell podcast, Corey. Can we talk about Christopher Morell for an entire hour? I could talk about him. Tune in like to find episodes out. straight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and you know, look, it, it's one of those things where I, I, I love Cubs fans because right now, if you're joining us on, on YouTube, uh, we are live. If you're over on Twitter, join us on, on YouTube so we can see your comments. The, the chat, everybody just wants to watch them win, man. You know, like the, the chat is full of people that are happy to see the Cubs win. They're happy to watch Christopher Morrell play. And it's, it's nice to see. It is nice to see. We deserve more wins, Corey. We've been through a lot the past year and a half or so. So we deserve this. I deserve this. Well, so the Cubs win four to three to finish this four game set off. They split four with the Brewers after dropping both ends of the doubleheader on Monday. So we have plenty to talk about a lot of roster stuff going on. We will break it down. We should also be joined. uh, Jared Willis filling in for our other guy, Ryan Herrera, live at Wrigley Field. Uh, tonight. So we should be joined by Jared to tell us what David Ross and some of the boys have on their minds. Uh, and as Brendan and I always do, uh, it's it's a post-game show, but we're also going to talk about this Brewer series as a whole. Um, so let, let's just jump into some of the stuff yeah. that we we saw. I Before we we look at these four games, though, Brendan, like I, I do, we might as well just start with Christopher Morell. Let's just ride the momentum. Let's it's what it. the chat wants. If you're listening to us in the podcast feed uh, on Thursday morning, sometimes we got to just vibe with the chat, right? And yeah. they want to hear about Morell. So Christopher Morell led off this game on Thursday night. He also finishes this game with a walk-off sacrifice fly. Uh, he drew a leadoff walk to start this game. It extended his franchise on base streak uh, record to begin a career to 15 games. And in the games that he's led off for this team, he's four for seven with two walks. Uh, David Ross uh, describing him as playing with your hair on fire, but calm in the box. I mean, it's early. He's going to have to make adjustments, right? Like, but boy, this really feels like the Cubs found something. Yeah, it does. It does. And one comment here uh, said, Shane said, Morel reminds me of Javi and Willie during their rookie years. Young player with some excitement and energy. And absolutely right. I remember when I went to uh, some Arizona Fall League games when Wilson was, was playing, and Wilson, in between innings, 
during the actual inning, he is sprinting down the foul line, chasing foul balls like a kid. And that reminds me of the same type of persona and energy that that Morel does bring. And you can see why those two guys like interact very uniquely, I feel like almost like Wilson's almost his mentor at, at this point. But Morel, unlike Javi and Wilson, is adapting at an unexpected rate. And Javi and Wilson have gone through so many adjustments. But what I mean by that is at the onset, it appears as if Morel is surprising so many people with that plate discipline. He starts off the game again with another eight-pitch walk, Corey. And then you can you saw just on that walk-off uh, sacrifice fly, JD mentioned it. He spit on a changeup low and away. And you can tell he's seen it and just let it go. He's looking like not a rookie. He's looking like an actual veteran and doing this at multiple positions. It's really encouraging to see. Yeah, and <laughs> you, you also see some of the – it's always easy to tell when guys are sort of like channeling Javi Baez. Wilson does it a lot with the swim yeah. move slide. He tried one tonight, he but tries, it didn't work. It didn't work but yeah. you see this sort of influence of like clearly this guy played with Javi or he watched Javi, whatever it is. And I know some people tweeted this too. Like it felt like in that first inning, right? Morell starts the game with a walk. He goes to second on the Wilson Contreras single. Then uh, they do a double steal and Morell scores on the throwing error by the catcher. Like that whole thing felt Javi Baez-esque, right? Like you get on, you get over, and you force something to happen right. with what you're doing on the bases, right? Yeah. It, it just has that energy. I know. I mean, he has, uh, what is it, six stolen bases on this season now. And like Joe said it in our comments here, like, where did that come from? He yeah, showed we no talked sign about of having the a good day. eye. Yeah, and it's like he's he's doing so many things well that I didn't expect. I didn't have this on my radar going into the year. We've heard about Morel for so many years, but now I'm thinking as the season's progressing, the probability he's a significant factor for next season it's exceptionally high if not as a starting guy in this in this lineup whether it be in multiple positions maybe he's in center field even if he continues to get more looks here and nico and magical uh end up shoring up the middle infield so Corey, like I, all i want to do is talk about christopher morrell all i want to do is watch christopher morrell and i'm just blown away with how good he's uh, been looking yeah, I, well, and you saw it too tonight. So with some of the roster stuff going on, which we'll get into, Jason Hayward's back. Uh, David Ross pointing out that Morell is going to be in center for most of this time. Now Nick Madrigal's back at second base. Uh, so again, some of that stuff we'll get into later once you know maybe we cool off from the Morell hype of the the beginning of this podcast, if it ever cools yeah, off. I know Cody's in here, Chris Morell forever. I know. I saw uh, that. The, the chat really uh, is blowing up with Christopher Morell love. It's great, right? It's yeah. nice to be excited about something. It is. Um, but in center tonight, too, he makes a really nice catch ranging over his left shoulder. Good job. You thought, you were, yeah, let you me say, position you myself. Right yeah. you said left. Uh, over yeah. his left shoulder. And he yeah. almost made that catch over his right shoulder yeah. going into the ivy. And I, I think that that's one of those where, like, he's playing so many positions. He's not super familiar yet with Wrigley Field. Just yeah. didn't have, like, a perfect feel for where that brick wall was. And probably for the best, right? We don't need him running literally into no. a brick wall. We would run through a brick wall for Christopher I Morell. Would, yes. We do not need him running into no. a brick wall, though. No. Absolutely but not. Important clarification. Thank you for clarifying, yeah. But I, I just point that out because, like, just so much of what you see – He's going to have to make adjustments at the plate. But so much of what you're seeing everywhere else is really exciting, right? He's yeah. stealing bases. He's running the bases like an expert. He's hitting a sack fly in a moment where you need to be calm and get the job done, right, and come through in the clutch. He does it. And you see him making plays in the field where he didn't make that second catch, but he was really close. And I think if he's more familiar with Wrigley and how that wall plays and the Ivy and all that, I think he makes that catch. He yeah. just He's such an athlete. He's such a baseball player. And yeah, as we've talked about, like this is a guy that did not walk when he began his minor league career and he's up there leading off, spitting yeah, on eight pitches and taking walks. It's, it's, it's really kind of remarkable. 
It is remarkable. So right now, maybe we'll just keep doing this every episode, but his chase rate is 22%. The major league average kind of deviates from like 28 to 30%. Christopher Morel is at 22%. That was the rate that you saw Dexter Fowler showcase in the leadoff spot during the Cubs' prime years. So the assumption is it's almost too good to be true. But at the same time, like we don't know. This appears to be a player who might break some of the projections and some of your expectations, given the absurdity of everything he's doing at this point. And then, Corey, if you, if you look at his overall like sprint speed, he's faster than 95% of players in the league. So we're talking about a guy who has exceptional raw power, who's gained a decent amount of weight, filled out his body uh, supposedly over the last few years. And it does appear as if he's done that. And then he plays shortstop, second base, third base, center field. Then he's walking, and now he's stealing bases. I mean, like, what else do you want? And he's like an A-plus teammate, and everyone gravitates towards his energy. This is why I could talk about Morel the entire episode without even having you talk, Corey, which maybe is what people want. Probably. Yeah. yeah. I, look, it's exciting. I mean, he's 22 years old. 22. I know. I didn't even say he's 22. He's 22 and and, and that's the other thing when we talk about his ability to make these adjustments so far in his career in terms of his plate discipline, right? Like he's doing this all at before he's 23 years old. Like, so it is, a, it is easy to let your mind kind of wander, right? That like, as he continues to get major league experience, grows physically, mentally, like he, he's just going to be even more exciting. Like, and again, like it's only been a few weeks, like they're, yeah. they're, you know, everything has ebbs and flows and like, that's okay. We've seen it with everybody that that's come up. Even the, the most successful Cubs rookies had periods where they struggled or had to adjust or, or just didn't look themselves. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But it's, you can see it on social media. You can see it here in the chat. Like it's exciting. He's an exciting player and it, it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that it's only June 1st. We've got a lot of baseball left in this season but if if he continues to develop like this and becomes somewhat of an answer as far as who's going to be on this next great cubs team like that's a huge success it's a huge success and the sample size is really not that small for the aspects of his game that we're talking about it's not small for his sprint speed it's not small currently for his plate discipline. So we talked about this in the past few episodes with the concept of like statistical stabilization. And I kind of hate using this because sometimes it can get misconstrued, as I've said in previous episodes. But the point at which chase rate stabilizes is around 50 plate appearances, which means you can rule out about like 50% of the randomness in a sample around 50 plate appearances. It's not like a certainty that everything is that Morel's doing is due to his own underlying talent, but the likelihood is that his current chase rate is emblematic of his underlying talent or the majority of it. So that's encouraging. Now, some people use stabilization as a marker to project the future, which is fair and I think logical, but it's under the context that the environment stays the same and the environment in baseball does not stay the same and pitchers will adjust to Christopher Morrell and he'll have to go through those different adjustment phases. But based on what we've seen so far, I think there's a good likelihood he can adjust fast because he's already done it. He's already showing the ability to do it at a young age as a 22 year old. So he already has the precedence of adapting and adjusting. And for me, as a fan that likes stability on this roster, he's meeting every single criteria. Every box is being checked for me personally as a fan for what I'm looking for in, like a, in a young player like Morel. Yeah, and I, I think it goes without saying, like uh, with some of these guys, you know, we saw the Cubs send down Nelson Velasquez, so that was one of the the roster moves. Um, it's okay if there are times where, you know, Velasquez was only up for a few days, if they feel like he's best served getting everyday playing time at AAA, right? And maybe they didn't feel like they were going to have that here and they want him to keep making adjustments. It's safe to say, though, like, Morrell has to stay. I, I, I From us, that's not a question. But yeah. when you look at the front office and the, and the moves, you know, sometimes they're a little puzzling. But, like, the Velasquez one, it's like, okay, I can kind of make sense of this. I sort of see the logic. 
Morel, and I'm not saying they're thinking any differently, but like Morel needs to stay. He needs to continue making and playing at the major league level and just let it ride. Let's see what we got. Based on the roster at this point with the injuries to and the uncertainty, even with guys coming back from injuries, I, it seems likely he's going to stay. Uh, now, there might come a time in the next you know few months at this point, it seems very unlikely, but there might come a time where we have a discussion, you know, does Morel need to see more plate appearances in, in AAA, for example? I doubt that happens if yeah. he continues to do this well, but there is a possibility that does happen. But why even discuss that at this point when he's batting leadoff? We have not, this team has not had a consistent leadoff hitter for like the past four or five seasons now. And we have someone who's at the leadoff position with tons of speed, tons of power, and swinging that pitches at the same rate as Dexter Fowler, right? So at this point, you know, he needs to be up, he needs to be playing. Yeah. Corey. Every day, not just on the roster. Yeah. Every day, lead off on this team. Yeah, so it, it's a good question that we, we just got pulled up in the, the YouTube chat from Joel uh, asking, you know, David Bodie is back. He's rehabbing. I think he hit a home run uh, either today or yesterday. Yeah. And the the question is, has Morel played Bodie off the roster? And so this is kind of what I mean. Like, y- you can't move Morel down if he's continuing to play like this and showing that he can handle the moment at the major league level and all of that for David Bodie, right? Like people were mad today. And, and uh, it also came up, Isaac in the chat mentioned like Nelson Velasquez, like, did he really need to go down or was that kind of just an excuse with Hayward, whatever a lot talked about with that on, on Cubs Twitter today about Jason Hayward coming back, like why, and you know, why not leave the 23 year old Nelson Velasquez up Again, if they don't feel like they can play Velasquez every day or as often as they want, then I, I do think it makes more sense to move him down. He he yeah. does still have some refinement in his game that's necessary. He's still very young, right? Uh, so I don't know that it was an excuse. Tr- trust me, like at least present company, me and Brendan, nobody wants to see Jason Hayward out there. I'd rather they pick anybody from the minors and he see almost won the game it. tonight, Corey. What are you talking huh? about? He almost won the game tonight. What are you talking about? He almost had a nice Hitting a line game. drive into a glove is not almost winning the game, Brendan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I know you don't mean that, but those but... swing changes, they look so promising. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay anyway, continue. can I block someone from the, can I block right. my own co-host? You guys, from the... I quit the podcast. Um, but the, to the Bodie, yeah, there we go. Just <laughs> Joey. Um, what is that? Thank you, Joey. <laughs> You know, to Joel's question about David Bodie, like they clearly, you know, are letting Bodie work back. I think it's good if they can have, you know, someone with like a, a, who's been around like Bodie's a, can move around. He's versatile, even though he hasn't had a lot of offensive success in the last couple of years. But that's like the main thing for me is you cannot let anything going on with David Bodie is not more important or even remotely as important as whatever's going on with Christopher Morel. So you can bring Bodie back, but you better be jettisoning somebody else than Christopher Morel. And he should never take playing time from him. Now, again, to reiterate, Ross said that Morel is going to be in center. Like that's where he's going to play the bulk of this time with this sort of set of injuries, right? As certain players are out. So maybe that changes, but for me, I do not care about David yeah. Bodie if it's related to Christopher Morel. The priority has to be putting Morel in the best situation for him and finding out as much as you can about him. I, I I agree with you. If this season, just to play devil's advocate, if this season is about finding evidence to keep certain guys on the roster for 2023 and beyond, Bodie's not a free agent until 2026 because of that contract mm-hmm. pre-arbitration deal. That is a factor. I know he's been frustrating sure. during times, especially when the Cubs were showcasing some competitiveness. The one factor to consider with Bodie, and we just talked about this with Morel, the offensive environment has changed where the average weighted on base average in the league is down, I think, I have to update it after today, but I think it's down by about seven or eight points. It's a huge drop because the ball has changed. So if you look at David Bodie last season and seasons before, we know he hits the ball really hard 
And it's possible, like what we're seeing with Nico's value, that those underlying factors combined with the positional diversity in the infield does have value for this team as a utility guy. Does that mean he needs to get uh, plate appearances and take those away from Christopher Morel? No. That, for me, would be in the form of DFA and Ortega. DFA and Jason Hayward at that point. DFA and VR, if VR, you really yeah. need to. So those are three guys right there. If you really want to give Morel at bats, I prefer those guys because they don't have a likely future with Steen to go away. Yeah, I I, I think that absolutely makes sense. Um, yeah, as people said, and you know, it's brought up in the chat too, like with uh, Madrigal as well. Like you got to see what you have there. So th- yeah. there's a lot of guys. What what it comes down to is they're going to have to be very deliberate about this roster. You have to be giving the opportunities to the right guys. Maybe you want Ortega in there because perhaps he's a trade piece to somebody. He's hit better in the month of May, trying to show something there. But you have to, at some point, if we're talking about Hayward or Bodie or VR or some of these guys, like that should not be impacting exciting young players that are electrifying the fan base and the team. You have to prioritize that, whatever you need to do. Uh, so we do have, we're going to bring in Jared in a second here, but we do want to uh, hit our first ad break, Brendan, and then we'll talk to Jared Willis live from Wrigley Field. As you guys know, the best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, just email pointsbet at allchgo.com. We'll help you out. Remember that PointsBet is your home for live in-game betting. They even have a new exclusive feature, live NBA same-game parlay for the first time ever. Build the perfect live same-game parlay only with PointsBet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. And you can even boost your live same-game parlays. And now, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. Signing up at the fastest sports book just got easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. Again, use code CSGO to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call one 800 Five two two four seven zero zero. Second break here from our other sponsor, Strava Coffee. Want to start your day with a competitive edge? Strava CBD Coffee is a game changer and has helped thousands of people to improve their overall wellness and quality of life. Strava delivers delicious, fresh roasted specialty coffee infused with organic broad spectrum CBD. CBD from hemp doesn't make you high or hungry, but it does offer real benefits that can help you. Feel alert and focused without the jitters. Live your day more balanced with less anxiety and fewer aches and pains. Plus, including CBD in your daily routine can even help you enjoy more restful sleep so you can wake up feeling your best. The best part, Strava is all about quality. Everything is small batch, fresh, and shipped straight to your door. Strava also offers concentrated full-spectrum CBD tinctures for those looking for a more traditional CBD format with a powerful entourage effect of benefits. CHGO listeners can save 25% off their entire purchase when you use code CHGO25. That's 25% off your entire order at StravaCraftCoffee.com when you use code CHGO25 at checkout. Discount coupon valid on non-subscription purchases only, and that's one use per customer. And if you're already in love with Strava, subscribe and save with Strava Coffee Club. With Strava, you're in control. Save on your favorite coffees and have them automatically delivered to your home or office on your preferred schedule. All right, so with that, we're going to bring in Jared Willis, live from beautiful, historic Wrigley Field, I believe. Hi, Jared. Can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you guys. You hear me okay? Yeah, I yeah. hear you well. This is... Uh, sort of full circle for Brendan and I, Jared was one of the first guests I think we ever had, uh, like six years ago when we did this podcast. And, uh, he was actually the first person that we had on as a guest multiple times. And now here we are on a fancy new YouTube show. Uh, so Jared, what, uh, what, uh, what's going on at Wrigley field? What did David Ross have to say to everybody? Just lots of positive things about, uh, morale, of course, because of the way that the game ended 
um, the way he's fit in in that that leadoff spot and brought a lot of energy to the lineup top to bottom. But of course, you know, coming up with the, you know, gets the ball in play so that Hayward can score from third. Um, so just, yeah, a lot of positive energy because of, you know, getting the walk-off and their first walk-off win since it was last September. So Jared, David Ross talked about Christopher Morrell playing center field mostly uh, with Seiya Suzuki going on the injured list. It's probably too early to tell, but in your opinion, once Seiya Suzuki does come back, we've had a lot of comments here in the YouTube section wondering at some point, does Morrell kind of get crunched down even in the form of like a demotion? But also we were just talking about maybe that's likely not the case given his performance. But the question I have is once the outfield does come back healthy, do you personally see him in that center field role predominantly, or do you also see him shifting around, let's say, to spell Patrick Wisdom at third base, or depending on how Nick Madrigal does at second base as well? Yeah, I think this is where his defensive versatility is going to really going to work to his advantage because, you know, as a young player in a position like this where he's got roster options, um, sometimes that means you're the guy that gets demoted even if you're hitting well. Um, yeah. but because Morrell can play in the outfield, multiple spots in the infield, I think that's going to create um, a, a better opportunity for him to stick around because there is a potential roster crunch coming up here uh, when Suzuki does return. And now that Hayward's back, you know, that's, that's why Nelson Velasquez was sent down today. You know, right. it's, this is just the way it works out when you're a young guy who, who has the, uh, the roster options. But yeah, I think that's the thing to watch out for with Morrell is, Yes, he's hitting, he's doing well, he's get, getting on base, you know, every every game he's played so far. Every but I think the, guy, thing yeah. that's, <laughs> the thing that's really going to save him here is um, they can keep him as sort of a utility guy because they can use him in three, maybe even four different defensive spots. Yeah. Has, has Ross talked about that at all? I mean, I know that he doesn't control the roster. Uh, you know, maybe he has a say in it, whatever. But it does seem like he's going to be in an interesting spot. You know, we had some some folks we were just talking about, you know, what if David Bodie comes back? They're talking about Clint Frazier, you know, then when Seiya's back. Now Hayward is back. Like, has he talked at all about that balance between like, yeah, you've got some of these guys that have been here, but also this is supposed to be a productive year to kind of like figure out what some guys have. Like Rivas has been in there a lot at first base. He's struggled recently, but still kind of getting that run, at least for now. Like, has he talked about that balance and and sort of, and again, it's it, not that he has a say in all of it, but it, it just seems like it's going to be really interesting for him pretty soon. Yeah, he's talked about that a little bit. Um, actually today I asked him about, you know, speaking of Rivas, how he's been using Schwindel at the DH a little bit more often over the last few weeks. And he said that it has a lot, not so much to do with Schwindel as much as it does to do with getting Rivas at bats, getting him a chance to see more trips to the plate, because even if he's not getting the results right now, Ross talked about the way he likes the at bats that he's having, he's getting good contact, those kinds of things. So it's definitely on his mind where he knows that, you know, some of this is on the horizon where he's going to have to really think about where he can slot guys in. Cause as you look at, you know, Bodie's probably about a week away or so, I think June 6th, if I remember right, was the date that they've kind of talked about as the day that he may return. Um, so it's, it's going to take some creativity on Ross's part as far as, you know, figuring out where he can get guys in the lineup, but then also, he does not necessarily have full control over who's going to get optioned, who's going to get sent down. This might be the time, you know, does somebody get designated for assignment? Do we see a move like that? Um, it's possible. I think it could be something more along the lines of we saw today, the uh, uh, Manny Rodriguez getting the 60 day IL designation because that frees up a 40 man roster spot and can sometimes help you with some of those things a little bit depending on, on what you want to do there. So, but yeah, I think the next week um, roster wise is, is going to get really interesting. Yeah. My personal preference would be to even see more Clint Frazier. And we had a few comments about Clint Frazier as well. And as you start in your mind doing these lineup iterations, it's getting really tricky. 
Um, I know VR had that injury with the, I guess, the workout band coming back at his face, which, like, if that happened to me, I'd probably be out for the entire season because I, I, I hate that type of stuff. Uh, so with him and with, like, Ortega, for example, like, do you, per like, just your opinion, you've been around the team, do you personally see, like, those guys getting, like, DFA'd relatively soon? I think my ideas we're going to get more of these il stints whether you want to call them like phantom il stints if you will um as long as possible but from your perspective and i know ortega's gotten some leadoff chances and his discipline does look good how do you see this shaping up because it is as you said with even Bodie coming back here in the next week or so it's going to get really tight it, it really is and i do think that this is where um, some of those, like you said, some of those phantom IL designations, uh, you see like turf toe pops up a lot in some of those kinds of things where, you know, it buys you some time for some guys because, you know, you, they don't necessarily want to make a decision on Rafael Ortega just yet, or even Jonathan VR just yet. But I think if somebody, you know, this is just my speculation, if somebody's potentially in line yeah, to be DFA'd in the next week or so, Jonathan VR might be the guy because yeah. he's, you know, there's, there's a lot of reasons for it. He's an older player. He's, you know, you watch him, he's clearly lost a step on defense. His bat speed is, is not what it used to be. Um, and so for a team that's in a position where you really need to see what you have in younger players, it becomes really important to give them looks. You know, they got to get the, the innings on the field. They have to get the at-bats. Um, Clint Frazier is definitely somebody I would like to see get more yeah. starts, more opportunities, um, because the potential is there. The potential with him is so great, and so you don't want to see that spoiled because you're, you know, you're, you're too busy giving starts to other players. And so exactly. I think, yeah, between a mixture of some – um, maybe vague IL designations or just, you know, somebody like VR or even Ortega getting DFA'd in the next week or two, three weeks or so. Um, that's probably, if I had to guess, that's probably what we're looking at in the future. Yeah, I, it, it's, it, you know, someone in the chat brought up Simmons as well. Like, I, I know that, you know, for some of these guys, they've been hurt or they haven't gotten, you know, a, a full look or whatever, but at some point it just does not make sense. You know, it, it, like in my head as I'm reading this, like, okay, Hayward's back, Bodie comes back, you know, this guy's back. It's like, this is too many guys that like, it just doesn't matter. Right. Like I, I know that early in the year, you want to see what you have. You don't really know how things are going to play out, but it it's to even, and I, I know we're not really, thinking this, but like to even have a conversation where it's like, oh, well, they would, you know, keep this guy instead of Christopher Morrell. It's like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, that's not what this season is supposed to be uh, with where they are and how everything has shaken out so far. Like they're, they're going to have to make tough decisions. And I hope that they're prepared to do that because uh, based on what we're reading, uh, they would have you know, a, a bit of a mutiny on their hands. But uh, I wanted to ask you tonight uh, about Kyle Hendricks. So Hendricks, uh, 79 pitches uh, and only goes five. Was Did David Ross just feel like he was getting hit hard or was there any particular reason beyond that that he didn't come back out for the sixth? Yeah, it really had more to do with um, who the Brewers had coming up in their lineup in the next inning and him wanting to um, – go to his bullpen there so that he could, I, I think it was a pocket of left-handed hitters coming up. And so it just felt like it was mm. the time to, to go to somebody else. He wasn't necessarily, you know, for Hendricks, I, he said there were a couple of hard hit balls tonight, but it wasn't, you know, not, not a great start, but also not, you know, we've seen a lot worse from Kyle Hendricks over the last couple of seasons. And so, yeah, the, the early hook tonight, I think had more to do with um, where the Brewers were, in their lineup coming into the sixth inning. Jared, you pointed out in your uh, tweet today just his pitch breakdown, which uh, is looked pretty fascinating given heavy four-seam up in the zone, sinkers inside as we've seen throughout the years, and then change-ups down in a way as we've always seen. You also pointed out that David Ross was talking about Hendrick's change-up and his desire for Kyle to throw more change-ups. I'm curious what prompted that, because in 
recent starts, maybe not the last couple starts, but uh, as of the last like three, four weeks, he has led a few starts throwing more changeups than any other pitch type. So it was a little surprising that Ross brought that up today. And even more so, at least for me, because Kyle's thrown more four seams this year than sinkers for the first time in his career. And he dropped his sinker usage by about 15 percentage points from last season. And his sinker's getting beat up like none other season prior to this one. So it, it just seemed peculiar in my mind why Ross brought up the changeup and not the other fastball subtypes. Yeah, some of that, so that has to do with, so before we talked to David Ross today, I spent some time with Wilson Contreras and just asked, I was asking Wilson about his perspective on Hendricks and why we've seen some of the inconsistencies that we have over the last you know, see almost season and a half now. And one of the things that Wilson mentioned was um, he said specifically, he thinks it's more of a game planning issue than an execution issue. And those are, those are Wilson's words. Um, so I asked him a little bit of, you know, more about, you know, what he meant by that. And he talked a little bit about, you know, pitch selection, in-game adjustments. And so then with that in mind, um, when, when we spoke to David Ross, I asked Ross, you know, Hey, what's your take on, what we're seeing from Kyle Hendricks over the last, you know, this season, but also last season as well. And so he brought that up in, in his response was that he felt like a part of what's going on um, with Hendricks is his pitch selection. And he mentioned specifically, you know, I'd like to see him use the changeup more. It's one of the best pitches in baseball. Um, so that might have something to do with, you know, Brendan, like you pointed out this increase in his changeup use over the last few starts could be a product of Ross and some others having conversations with, with Kyle about, hey, this is an adjustment yeah. that we think you need to make. Um, so we'll have to see kind of how that plays out over the next few starts, but there could yeah. be something going on there. I just want to follow up on that, and Corey, you can take it away. Uh, Kyle was very strong in his praise to Jan Gomes when Jan was catching Kyle. Uh, and I don't want to contrast Wilson versus Jan Gomes, but it just stood out to me that Kyle seemed really comfortable with Jan, and he used, just to paraphrase, that Jan was adjusting well in-game based on his perception of the opposing batter's swings. So because he said that, I was curious, all right, are we going to see Jan Gomes more uh, when Kyle's pitching as a result of that comfort level? And so I'm just curious on your thoughts with that, especially because Wilson's talking about it's more of a game planning issue than an execution issue. And that's what triggered that thought in my mind with Jan Gomes. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I do think if, if Gomes was healthy right now, there's probably a good chance that he would have been tonight's catcher. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I asked Wilson was, you know, how do you – when you're working on in-game adjustments, you know, as you're recognizing the opposing hitter swings and things like that, um, you know, how's it different when you're dealing with somebody like Kyle, who is a veteran pitcher and somebody that you've you've caught most of his career versus, say, like, you know, a Justin Steele, who is a younger pitcher. And one of the things that Wilson said was that he, um, with veteran pitchers, he's more inclined to let them, you know, let them do what they think is, is the right thing to do or let, mm -hmm. you know, he doesn't guide them quite as much. And so some of what Hendricks does could just be a product of Contreras is allowing Kyle to drive things rather than, you know, Wilson calling some of the pitches or even going out there and suggesting some things or, you know, having a little bit more of a direct say in what, what the pitch selection is. Um, yeah. now he did say that if, you know, in an inning or something where Hendricks is really struggling, he's going to go out and give him some some pointers. But he does say he, he backs off a little bit when it's somebody like Kyle on the mound. Got it. Uh, so last thing, Jared, before we hit our uh, second break here and then we'll let you go. Um, I'm just curious. I don't know if you talked to him or Ross. He talked about it tonight. But at, at, like I, as I was at the game tonight, like it, it's certainly been true all season. But it just stood out once again, especially seeing the swings, two strikeouts tonight. Like, I mean, what they ran into with David Robertson has really just been kind of amazing. Um, not that he didn't have that pedigree, but coming off of, you know, some injury shortened seasons, not really sure where he was going to be. I, 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 I 
I joked, uh, I was there with friend of the podcast, Jeff Everson, and I joked to him that like it's June 1st, but I feel almost like I did last year with Kimbrel where I'm like, David, don't bring him in anymore. Like this has gone so incredibly well. His numbers are so great. Like we, we just got to get to the end of July here because this is just like, they've just, I mean, talk about striking gold with what they have there. Yeah. I mean, maybe they should just trade him tonight. Tonight, <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah. Do it now. Oh, Cause you're right. I mean, this, this is like the ultimate find. I mean, yeah, he had, he has some history. He's there's the pedigree is there, like you said, but man, uh, talk about plucking a, you know, plucking him out of, obscurity almost right. and now you've you've just generated this perfect trade piece for the tr- the deadline assuming you know fingers crossed that everything continues to go well um but this this could we we could look back on this and this could be a, a in hindsight a really brilliant move for them in the process of this rebuild as they're they're looking to restock their farm system um you know Quietly, we may be able to say that David Roberts Robertson move that was that was a big one for us because um, yeah you're right and and again I if you get a phone call tonight Jed maybe let's <laughs> let's make it happen <laughs> yeah Finalize it's it's it. a long way to go but I just did find myself thinking right. that like I'm oh, watching yeah. I'm looking at his ERA and I'm like boy this has gone so well like if we could just wrap this up yeah. like you know um, might be the thing to do but. All right, Jared, we'll let you go. Uh, you can see if you're on YouTube, you can see his Twitter handle there at uh, Jay Willis. You can find his work, of course, over at allchgo.com. Jared, thank you. We will talk to you soon. And uh, with that, I will turn it over to you, Brendan. Thank you, Jared. See you soon. All right. So another break here from our sponsor, PointsBet. And then uh, speaking of trade talk, it just reminded me of all the good things that we're seeing from the farm system, um, from trades last season. So it might be a good segue to introduce some of those updates on those players. So if you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you want to see more of Jerry Willis's work and uh, his conversations with Wilson Contreras and all of that writing, it's on that website. Just got to sign up. And if you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. And in case you missed it, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up the fastest sports book that's easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Once you said it was a good segue to talk about you know some of the, the prospects and stuff, but I also really want to talk about um, on Monday – we we saw a couple new faces. Uh, we have Swarmer, Swarmer, we have Espinoza, yeah, and Espinoza. Yeah. And the the thing that really stands out about Anderson Espinoza, like, for, firstly, we'll talk about his outing and what he was able to bring, but like the fact that the Cubs were able to last year get someone who did that for them on Monday at the major league level for Jake, Jake Marisnik, Marisnik, I know. right? Is, I is know. pretty remarkable. And it is one of those instances where it kind of makes you stop and you, you don't have to support, you know, the larger process that led them to the trade deadline last year. As I always say, we're not going to relitigate that whole thing every time we bring it up, but like you can, I think hope because they did it, they engaged in the process. You can appreciate like, it is important to oh, yeah. have these guys. And even if you feel like they may not, that's why I bring up like maybe they want to keep Ortega in there because he hit better in the month of May. He's shown you some stuff. Maybe he gets you something like this. Like Jake Marisnik was not good for the Cubs last year. And they ended up getting a guy who comes in on Monday and throws four innings, gives up two runs, three walks, but six strikeouts in a spot that assuredly Anderson Espinosa did not know he was going to be in, you know, on, on Sunday or early Monday morning. Right. I'm sure that was sort of sprung on him as he was going to come in and maybe come out of the bullpen and see what happens. So you you have to not only, uh, you know, give props to 
Espinoza for the effort and coming up into a spot like that, jumping into a division game and giving you four nice innings to save the bullpen in the middle of a long doubleheader day. But also, like, just take a second to think. Like, some of these players, they might not be exciting, but if this is the position you're in as a team yeah. that's looking to make trades at the deadline, each individual guy can end up being important. You look at the Jock Peterson trade, too. Like, Bryce yeah. Ball has shown He's you going some off. stuff. He's and going that off. felt yeah. like a total throwaway trade <laughs> at the time that it happened, right? It did. And maybe these guys aren't going to go on to be Hall of Famers or anything, but each little like productive thing you can get it it has value it adds up that's a great point too uh i didn't think about it like that and it reminded me how disappointing vr has been because he would have fit that mold in terms of if he's valuable then you can get a, a player a prospect back that has some potential that might have value as soon as next year so the fact that the cubs are losing games that sucks um, and the fact that they're doing so because pieces you signed or you expected to do well are just not performing that well. And that has bad implications for this season, but also for, for the future as well. And to your point, Corey, the reason that might be more valuable now than, let's say, five years ago is because certain teams are likely targeting certain types of players. You have more data, you have more interpretations of that data now, and you look at someone like Anderson Espinoza, he's interesting in that his stuff doesn't necessarily jump out at you. And he had two Tommy John surgeries, you know, former top prospect. Um, so it's unfortunate he had to go through those uh, periods in his career trajectory that were just complete blockades. But when he made his start with the Cubs, he was unique. And I understand why the Cubs ended up going out there and, and and getting him. And so what he did in his brief, not brief outing, he threw, you know, over 80 pitches in his start was he led with a four seamer and then he used basically a slider um, outside of his four seamer. And he threw 23 sliders in that start. His slider is very unique. That slider does not have much horizontal movement, and it has a little bit more vertical movement than league average. And he throws that slider at 79 miles per hour. So it's more of like, um, you know, more vertical breaking type pitch, but it's not going to sweep across the zone as you might expect, as you might even expect to see what Daniel Norris now does with his slider. So I'm wondering, and we're not seeing it now, but I'm wondering based on his profile, if he's the ideal candidate once he gets settled into like getting innings to changing that slider, to maybe using that slider as more of a sweeping slider as we've seen Daniel Moskos do with, with, uh, with Daniel Norris. So just keep tabs on that. So although certain players being acquired, they may not look good on paper. You go to their Fangraphs page, you're like, what is this? Why should I be excited? You even go to their Baseball Savant page and you're like, well, nothing jumps out. We're, we got to get kind of beyond those days because there are reasons, underlying reasons, that these coaches are now part of the discussion to target certain players. There's a reason why Craig Breslow is part of that front office targeting certain players. The like Tom Tango, I don't know if you guys know who Tom Tango is, but he's he's he created like fit. Like he's like one of the godfathers of sabermetrics. He said in like 2008, there will come a time where scouts and statisticians are speaking the same language. And that, that time is now. Like that's actually what's going on with all this new StatCast data. And we're seeing the results of that in the form of many Cubs guys that we've seen, in the form of Rowan Wick, in the form of Caleb Killian. Caleb Killian changed his curveball grip. He was a guy, perfect example. You go to his baseball, you know, savant page, let's say like minor league data, for example, um, nothing would jump out. He, you know, he had a nice cutter, four-seamer, wasn't walking guys, but his underlying pitch peripherals didn't look that promising. They changed him. They've had, they had an idea and it's been working and now he's the best pitching prospect, um, the best closest pitching prospect to the major leagues. So it is a good point to remember like, you know, it sucks that VR is not doing well, but when you see Espinosa come up and show value because you got Jake Marisnik last offseason, well, the same can be applied for this season too. Yeah, it's also why it's a bummer that Drew Smiley hits the IL 15 yeah, days. That Hopefully sucks. that's not long-term uh we've seen that oblique stuff be problematic uh so hopefully they can iron that out we'll see about that 
Um, also wanted to, you know, talk uh, Matt Swarmer. Six innings on Monday, five hits, four runs, but only one of them earned. The Cubs defense was not great that night. One walk and six strikeouts. This was a quality start. Uh, he should remain in the rotation. I don't know if he's been named for one of these games against the Cardinals this weekend, but they have that doubleheader on Saturday. I would assume that he gets one of those games. Not sure uh, what their plan is exactly yeah. for both of those games or however they want to do it. Um, but, you know, this is another one. Like the, the more I think we talked about this on the last episode, like the whole point of replenishing the farm system and changing all the infrastructure. You know, you and I have talked a lot, but a lot has been made about like the Cubs overhauled a ton of their infrastructure on both sides of the ball, new coaches, new technologies, new philosophies, new ways of thinking. Right. And like the whole point of doing all of that and investing in all of that is so that you can bring these guys up. And, you know, again, maybe they're not all Cy Young candidates or future Hall of Famers or whatever, but you brought somebody up who was in your system and he gave you a quality start against a division rival on a day where you really needed it in a doubleheader. And he should have gotten the win, right? Like that's something that we were not really accustomed to the Cubs being able to do with such ease. And it feels like whether it's, you know, a starter or someone in relief, or even as we're seeing, you know, someone like Christopher Morale on offense, it, we're just seeing more of an influx of like, Hey, we can just call this guy up and he might be able to contribute for a day or a week or a month or hopefully years. Right. Yeah. And Swarmer, he was an interesting watch. He threw mostly four seam or sorry, mostly sliders. Getting him that's been confused. So in his 89 pitches, he threw 49 sliders, Corey. You brought up Drew Smiley. Drew Smiley throws mostly curveballs. Now, this is a good example. If you go to his baseball Zavon page, Drew Smiley's curveball rates so badly, like in terms of spin rate, active spin rate. And so the thinking is, why would you be throwing this bad curveball as your dominant pitch type? Well, any secondary pitch in theory is likely going to be better than a fastball just from a, a pitch value perspective. So I'm thinking the same thing with Matt Swarmer because his slider does not rate that well. His active spin rate is only 30%. That's the amount of spin that contributes to movement. As a comparison, Marcus Stroman, his active spin rate is 60% on that slider. However, interestingly, Stroman's Spin axis is exactly the same as Matt Swarmer's, but they both have very different movement profiles. Uh, so it's possible that although the active spin rate is really bad, that pitch is more so behaving kind of like a not a gyro per se, but it might be behaving in an unpredictable fashion for these hitters that actually might make that pitch um, having some value. So if he continues to start, which it appears as if he's going to, Look for that slider because we've seen precedents for pitchers who don't have good stuff, but if they throw their secondary pitches mostly, then they're valuable. And that is in the form of Drew Smiley, who has decent command. And Matt Swarmer might be that same guy as well if he continues to have that command, but he's not going to be that ace. Like he's not going to be the same type of pitcher we're talking about um, when we discuss like, you know, Keegan Thompson and his trajectory and Albert Alisalai and all these guys. He's not in that conversation, at least for now, unless he drastically changes anything. But he's still interesting nonetheless because you have a mold in Drew Smiley that can be applied to Matt Swarmer. Yeah, and it's 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 there. There's a good uh, comment in our YouTube chat now from Joe um, talking about building a solid base of a roster is very underrated. Not everyone will turn into stars, but getting them to be major league contributors will add up. And that's something that we've talked about in in the recent weeks. And it it ranges from all these guys. Like even Patrick Wisdom, you know, sort of falls into that category. Exactly what his role looks like going forward, you know, who knows? But right now he's a guy with 11 home runs and around an 800 OPS and stellar defense he made that play again he hit like the quintessential so patrick wisdom play is that slow roller down the third baseline that he charges in makes that running throw and he nails it every yeah. time throw is on the line every time but i i, I read that point from joe you know because that's kind of the key and you see this with this group like they've been mostly competitive Right. And like, I'm not trying to pat them on the, the pat the Cubs on the back for fielding a team that doesn't get killed every night. Right. Like, but 
there is something to these guys being able to contribute at the major league level and compete, right? They're not ready to win right now. That's that's very clear, right? What? Or win at the level you that don't we know that. win at the level that we want them to win at. They're only right? like ten games back, or you know, they're still okay, playing. Brendan. Remember, people don't always know if you're being serious. I know, I know. Um, but being competitive every night calling guys up and having them be able to throw a, a quality start or give you four solid innings in a double header or hit a walk off sack five, whatever it is like that stuff matters. And a, as Joe said, it builds up. You may not have stars, right? Maybe Christopher Morell is a star, but everybody doesn't have to be a star. They don't have to be that elite talent, right? But you need contributors, right? A roster is 25 plus guys, right? With injuries, it's even more than that through a a championship season, right? You need to find them somewhere. And the more you can find, right, the less that Jed has to do. They're going to have to go out and add elite talent when they're ready to win the World Series again, right? There's no question about that. But the more talent you can fill in, whether it's the last guy on the roster or a middle guy on the roster, whatever, the better. It's all important, and that's what this year should be about. And it kind of goes back to our conversation with Jared about the roster crunch, right? Like, you got to figure these things out, and you have to maximize how much information you're getting. Uh, I do want to do a little bit of a minor league spotlight, though, because uh, I know – Cody, I, I believe, is a big DJ Hers guy, so I'm sure they're going to talk about this on Thursday, but it happened tonight on Wednesday, and we would be remiss if we did not bring this up because it is one of the most, I think, exciting outings uh, from a Cubs pitching prospect in Sometime. a very long time. I, yeah. I you know, like Since like uh, Killian two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, so DJ Hers went uh, five innings uh, tonight, he struck out 12, 12. batters 12 for batters. the South Bend Cubs tonight. Uh, if you're looking at MLB Pipeline, DJ is the Cubs' number nine prospect. Um, but when you face 17 guys over five innings, Brendan, and you strike out 12 of them. Pretty good. Seems pretty good. I think I mean, that'll play. I right? think that will play. Yeah. So DJ Hurst, we're probably going to talk about this guy so much over the next year as he continues to get promoted. So we're not going to go into too much detail right now. But if you're hearing about DJ Hurst for the first time, uh, congratulations, because you're getting a dopamine hit because this guy is unbelievable. You go watch him pitch. Greg Huss of the Growing Cubs podcast compared him to Dontrell Willis in terms of his uh, unorthodox delivery. Kind of has that like you know, rock back action. I'm not going to stand up and do it myself here, but he looks very interesting from a delivery perspective. I mean, we can't get a demo. I know. Maybe next episode. I'll put my baseball pants on. We can do it. Uh, I'll wear my socks. I. Uh, then we have DJ Hertz pitch types. He has plus plus pitches, guys. Like from an actual stack ass perspective, we talked about maybe Drew Smiley and Matt Sporber not having those advantages. Uh, DJ Hertz owns those metrics he has a relatively new or apparently relatively new spike curveball uh he has a changeup that that grip was being developed during the covid shortened season and he, that's when he kind of came on the scene and then he throws you know today he was like 92 93 94 he can maybe sit consistently in the mid 90s all those pitches rate above 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 the average especially when you compare the changeup and the curveball <clears throat> off his fastball keegan thompson justin Steele. we talked about ah oh, i wish they threw more changeups because their breaking pitches are so good dj has heard he has that he has changeup he has a breaking pitch he has a good fastball he has a unique delivery he's young he's exciting he might be the most interesting cubs prospect because of those features absent of Caleb Killian currently that I've seen in quite some time. I mean, Braylon Marquez has been fun to follow, but the injuries, unfortunately, have sidelined him. But from my perspective, like, I don't recall being so excited about one pitcher, a lefty DJ Hertz, in a long time, Corey. Like, he fits, he checks off every box for me when looking at a young, exciting pitching prospect. Yeah, so 10 starts on the year for DJ Hers so far in 2022. He is at high A right now, 21 years old, uh, 1.45 ERA, 0.86 whip. 
that sounds pretty, pretty good. good. To me. Pretty yeah, good. Sounds pretty good. And you know, look, I know, like you know, a lot of these guys are young. Killian is is knocking on the door of the major leagues, but a lot of these guys are, are really young. But you look around, like Kevin Alcantara continues to just mash the ball. Uh, um, man. and he, so dude, he like they him Massive. PCA and Massive. and like Brennan Brennan Davis working through that back injury. Hopefully, you know, he can get back soon yeah. and get back on track. It's but exciting. boy, like you watch, like I, I I was watching. I think it was from Greg Huss, the aforementioned Greg Huss. I had tweeted uh, one from Alcantara that was like an, you know, a fastball in on his hands. I mean, you watch that, just the bat speed, the ability to get the hands in and just rip the ball to I left know. field. It's, it's, there's some exciting stuff going on, right? You may not want to be patient. I don't know how long some of this is going to take. I want the team to be good. I was there at Wrigley Field tonight. Like, I want that team to be good. That's what I care about more than anything. Do you have a hot but, dog? No, I had a tonight. cheeseburger tonight. Okay, you switched it up on me. You had a hot yeah. dog yesterday. Okay. Hot dog on uh, Monday. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I can't eat only hot dogs. Well, My doctor I... says it's not good for me, so yeah, I had a cheeseburger. <laughs> um, but there's exciting stuff at these levels, and as you see, it's it's not only just the young guys, right? Like they are bringing up some of these other guys. They're graduating guys. They're giving them a chance. So it's it's exciting stuff. But I wanted to talk about DJ tonight because it yeah. happened tonight, and it just. It's it's not often we get a Cubs pitching prospect that just goes out there and strikes out twelve guys in five innings. So yeah, no want to make sure that's on your radar uh, as quickly as possible. Yeah. So uh, the CHGO Sports <laughs> look at that. asking wow. us uh, onions on the cheeseburger. No, uh, no onions on the cheeseburger. They didn't have them yeah. in a rush. I, you know, I, I only care about the onions on the hot dogs. But if they if they had a bin of grilled onions, I would put it on everything. But not raw, not raw it. onions though, right? It has to be grilled. No raw onions. Yeah, you no. got to get that sweetness extracted when you grill those onions. So I, when I you come over to Wrigley Field, you can tell me how to eat things. Uh, but I I, I went. I had a cheeseburger. Yeah. I got a W tonight. All right, leave me alone. Yeah. Well, I got the um, back. So it is a series split. For the Cubs, Patrick Wisdom wins it with his 11th home run of the year on Tuesday. Christopher Morell, a sack fly on Wednesday, wins it. So all in all, it is a split. And now, Brendan, we have a yeah. weekend full of the St. Louis Cardinals to we look do. forward to. And I, I got it. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. Uh, Peter Armstrong got promoted, by the way, from Myrtle Beach. So just another thing to be more excited about. So keep following uh, those minor league guys. When are we... Uh, I, we 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 have to we have to get the whole CHGO Cubs crew to South Bend. We got to go to Let's South Bend. Do it. I'm down. Right. We'll have to, we'll have to talk to some uh, very influential people to make that, that happen. That just seems that just seems to be the, the thing to do. Live yeah. broadcast. Maybe we go for a DJ Hurst start. Maybe, maybe right? I think Jordan pic- Wicks is there too. Maybe you take a picture of your hot dog in South Bend. You know, so you know we can do multiple. I contacts. can't vouch for the hot dogs there. Okay. So wow. Well, I'll out the test. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, uh, Joey's probably like, finish up, guys, finish up. All right, so let me preview this upcoming series against uh, the aforementioned St. Louis Cardinals. So first game is Thursday night, 7.05 p.m. start time. We have uh, Keegan out there pitching for the Cubs. He's 5-0 with a 1.58 ERA. He'll be facing uh, former top prospect a Libertor for the Cardinals, who's 1-0 with a 3.72 ERA on the season. And then uh, we have Marcus Stroman pitching for the Cubs on Friday, your traditional 1.20 p.m. start time. He'll be facing uh, Michaelis for the Cardinals. I always forget if, like, you see Mikolas or Michaelis, but I hate that guy so much that I kind of just want to mess it up on purpose anyway. Uh, on the year, he's 3-3 three and three, this uh, 2.67 ERA. Um, you know, he ate, a, he ate a lizard one time, by the way. There's a video of it. The guy's, like, you know, a bizarre person. And then I, I sat, do know that. I saw like a YouTube video. He ate a lizard, dude. Like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, on Saturday, we have a double header. Um, so keep tabs on who's pitching those games. Nothing's been announced yet. I believe Swarmer's likely to pitch that game. I'm not sure if they actually finalized that, but, uh, you know, just keep tabs on that. And then on Sunday to finish off, this long weekend set against the Cardinals, we have Adam Wainwright pitching for them on a 6.08 p.m. start time. Wainwright's having a good year. He's 5-4 with a 2.75 ERA. He'll be facing Justin Steele for the Cubs, who's 1-5 with a 5.4 ERA. There is a ton to watch for this series. Uh, basically, every Cubs pitcher, you know, keep tabs on. Uh, Justin Steele, for me, is probably the most, I mean, 
urgent is not the right word, but the one I'm focusing on the most just because I want to see him use maybe those changeups more and those sinkers more. But also, I still want to see what those lineups look like with Hayward back in the fold, uh, Clint Frazier back in the fold, how Ross uses those plate appearances, if Morrell is going to keep batting leadoff. And yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to follow this upcoming week. Yeah, and uh, as we talked about, uh, unfortunately, Sunday Night Baseball, they're on ESPN to wrap yeah. things up, though I do think they're going to have Patrick Wisdom mic'd up. That's so positive, I, yeah. I, I love Patrick, but I don't know that he is as, like, silly. He dances, you know? He does dance. Yeah, so we get that. Um, but yeah, like some of the guy, you know, like when they would mic up Anthony, it's like he's goofy, so it was always really Listen, funny, I haven't tried— I just brought up all those minor leaguers. I'm trying to move on. And you bring up Anthony on the very last minute of the show. Like, come on. Come on. What are you doing? Well, it's hard, you know, Brendan, because I'm wearing my 2016 World Series championship sweater. So I just think of Anthony Rizzo because the Cubs won the World Series. Won the World Series, correct. Yes. Okay. Let's make sure. Um, Yeah. I mean, just keeping an eye on all that stuff. And, you know, we talked about the roster crunch uh, with Jared Willis. And, you know, that's the real thing, I think, for me to keep an eye on. Who's getting playing time? Are guys moving down? Do they make any tough decisions on some of those older veterans, things like that? And, uh, you know, a a player to watch, I guess for me, like, you know, we got to see something from Nick Madrigal, right? Like it was a bunch of grounder, weak contact tonight. Like the last at bat, he does punch the ball to the right side, allows Hayward to go to third, technically does the job, right? It did look like that's what he went up there to do. But at some point, like, you got to see something, right? I, know, I like feel he, for him. I want him to succeed. It hurts me, like yeah, viscerally. And me. and you know, as as we as I talked about, you know, I know with Luke and and Cody and Ryan and a lot of those preseason episodes, like a lot of the fan base just was not interested in him. Uh, they don't like the profile. Probably coming over from the White Sox, a lot of guys people just don't like him or just aren't really interested in him as a player. Yeah. Um, so he's got to show something, you know. Unfortunately, it at least, you know. From what we've seen in 2022, it's a lot of what people really feared from Madrigal. Though I will say he continues to look fine on defense. He made some solid plays in the field uh, tonight. But again, he falls into that category of you figuring out what you have there. Like there's, I don't think there's any, you know, guarantee. Like I don't think anybody in the organization is thinking like, oh, no question. Nick Madrigal is the second baseman for the next 10 years, right? Like he's got to go out and earn it. You know, he's, he's going to get that opportunity and, and, and ability to show things, but just like everybody else who's young and getting an opportunity, he's got to go out and do it. So, uh, he doesn't necessarily have to do it just in these four games with the Cardinals, but tomorrow's as good a day as any to start. So, uh, with that, we will leave you. Thank you to everybody in the YouTube chat. If you're listening on the podcast feed, hello, good morning. Uh, happy yeah. to have you as well, but definitely shout out to the YouTube chat tonight. It was, uh, as Luke Stockmeyer would say, it was lit. He definitely knows what that word means. Um, tomorrow Cardinal series, Luke, Cody, uh, and I think Ryan should be back. They'll have pregame and postgame for you on Thursday. Uh, Brendan and I will be back with you, uh, for a podcast only version after the Cubs and Cardinals finish up, uh, hopefully early Sunday night, right? We'll wrap that up. Uh, Um, but yeah, as always, we appreciate your support for everything going on at CHGO. You guys know the deal, uh, live shows, post games, premium written content over at allchgo.com where you can find our guest tonight, Jared Willis's work and our guy, Ryan Herrera's work when he is back on the beat at Wrigley field. As always, we appreciate you listening or watching, interacting, however you're doing that with everything going on at CHGO and the CHGO Cubs podcast. Pre-game, post-game tomorrow, Cody, Ryan, Luke, and we, Brendan and I, will be back with you on Sunday. And as always, go Cubs.